Ticket City presents Why You Go to the Game to See Georgia Southern. The play is known simply as the run. Peterson took a handoff up the middle, broke a tackle at the line of scrimmage, spins away from the next defender he meets, and he shakes off a diving tackler. 30 yards down the field, he meets another defender and literally throws him out of the way with his right arm, grabs him by the shoulder pad, and swipes him off onto the sideline. It was really so surreal because the place is going completely berserk during the run until he throws off that defender. He throws off that defender, the whole place went silent, stone silent, like an intake of breath. It was just so amazing. Nobody had ever seen it before. And then, of course, the place exploded again after they all caught their breath. Put yourself in the action with Ticket City. Visit savannahnow.com slash sports and click on tickets. Oh, he will. Adrian Peterson is taking care of things right now. Down the sideline. If he can get loose, he's gone. Illigway will score. The Wesley Fields. Touchdown. Georgia Southern. All right, we're joined by Ben Moore, who's the publisher of PantherTalk.com, which is a 247sports.com website. Ben covers... Georgia State and, and is here to offer us some insights into what the Panthers will offer on Saturday night at 5 p.m. at Hanner Fieldhouse. Ben, thank you for joining us. Yeah, man, appreciate you having me. Yeah, so Ben, like I said, I, we want to get people, uh, Georgia Southern fans especially, uh, an idea of what Georgia State will bring to Statesboro on Saturday. Uh, having played them already this season, we're, you know, I'm sure a lot of the Georgia Southern fans are kind of familiar with the team, but. Uh, wanted to bring you on to get some of the ins and outs. So I guess first, if you could kind of summarize where Georgia State basketball is right now since having played Georgia Southern um, in early February. Yeah, it's a, it's it's definitely been an interesting uh, you know season with with, uh, with highs. Certainly beating University of Georgia and uh, going to Alabama and getting a game winning three uh, by Malik Ben Levy, a Savannah native uh, in uh, in Bama to knock those, them off to to register two SEC wins was huge in non-conference, uh, not just in the state with bragging rights by how badly they beat the University of Georgia by 24 points and was uh, up, I believe, 31 or 32 in that game at one point uh, in a Cayman Islands tournament. But getting to conference play, uh, for one reason or the other, Coach Ron Hunter's teams te- seem to uh, almost look ahead to March and February can kind of be a struggle at times. And you, you saw a stretch where uh, the Panthers lost four out of six games uh, in that stretch, a couple games before that matchup uh, in, in Atlanta with Georgia Southern, a couple after um, to the Louisiana schools. Uh, the Louisiana Lafayette is a huge rival of Georgia State just of how hotly contested those games have been. Um, and that game was a nationally televised ESPN Friday night game, and, and the Panthers came up short in that. Uh, since the, since then, they've reeled off uh, five out of the last six to put themselves back in uh, first place. Uh, it's a tie right now for uh, for the conference lead. And uh, Saturday is going to be really fun and really interesting to watch. Uh, a couple things in, in play. As simple as this, if Georgia State wins, um, no matter what happens uh, in Texas, uh, with Texas State and Texas Arlington, Georgia State wins the regular season title. Um, and I can tell you there's a lot of people – uh, even head coach uh, Ron Hunter said on local Atlanta radio today, hey, you know, we're, that would be nice and it would be good to win this and that and the other. Uh, I can tell you behind closed doors, they want to win that win that game to break the streak. Uh, the Panthers haven't won in Hanner Fieldhouse since 1996, and uh, that is a long time. Uh, certainly we know uh, in the last few years in the Sun Belt play, 
Uh, that's a, that's a that's a big time. And quite honestly, um, it also guarantees the Panthers, no matter what happens next weekend uh, in New Orleans at the Sun Belt Conference Tournament, they'll be playing, they'll be playing in the postseason again. Uh, it's the regular season champion in the Sun Belt gets an NIT bid. Um, that's a huge uh, thing where you can get you know basically TV coverage, another postseason uh, mark, whether you know the Panthers go into the NCAA tournament or not. And more importantly, for a guy that, that covers the team, they get a double buy, so they they get basically a, you know. All the, all the conference tournament gets to happen before um, they play a single game uh, on Saturday night down there at the Smoothie King Center in New Orleans. So uh, only two games to win the NCAA tournament, an extra day of rest, uh, one less day of travel, a whole lot of things on the line uh, down there in Hanner Fieldhouse from the Georgia State perspective. But uh, team is team is uh, has been playing very well defensively, something that I've been very critical of. Uh, when this team is focused defensively, they can be very, very good. When they can kind of wander, have these four, five, six-minute stretches of uh, of not playing very good defense, uh, they can get beat, and uh, that's what happened certainly last Saturday or two Saturdays ago uh, against Coastal Carolina. They were down by 30 in that game and, and rallied back in the second half to to only lose by 13. But that game really was not as close as the school the final score indicated. Ben, you talked about the regular season title and kind of what that would mean to Georgia State and and. I've talked about this uh, recently with Georgia Southern as well. I don't think a lot of people realize kind of where the NIT has come in the last maybe five, six, seven, eight years. It, you know, it used to be where the NIT kind of made you cringe when you heard that because that mean, means you missed out on the big dance. For me what, and for Georgia Southern, I think the winning the regular season title and guaranteeing yourself um, an NIT berth I, I, and this may be wrong. I think you guarantee yourself a first round NIT home game with a regular season conference title, but either way, you're guaranteed to get into the NIT. Does that feel like a consolation prize to, to Georgia state? Or, I mean, do you, would you agree with me that, that that is something worthy of at least putting on the bulletin board? It, it really is. And I'll say even, you know, just from an outsider's point of view, somebody that doesn't, doesn't cover Georgia Southern's program, obviously as close as you and don't follow it as close as you. Um, but it, it would be a huge accomplishment for Mark Byington and that staff just to show that, hey, they're building to this crescendo um, there with Tukey Brown's uh, final, you know, final season down there in Statesboro would be a huge notch in the belt. Um, you know, for, for his career there and, and you know, so, so far in his resume uh, down in Statesboro. And I agree with you. I mean, it has come a long way with so many good mid-majors. Um, and it's, I'm very, very interested to see what happens on Selection Sunday, just two weeks from this upcoming weekend, um, with how many solid mid-majors there are and just to even very good. I mean, you have uh, mid-majors that are currently ranked teams like Walford, uh, teams like Lipscomb, who are very, very good, who, guess what, if they don't win their conference tournament, we just know that's the life of a, of a mid-major, they're going to be out. Well, if you put those teams in NIT against some Power 5 teams that may have 11 or 12 losses, uh, they have a pretty good shot of winning and winning by a sizable margin. But the talent right. gap, I believe, especially in these middling uh, Power 5 programs, uh, or, or mid or major programs basically versus the higher mid majors uh, is is shrinking and you I think more than anything else you start to see you know again the depth is an issue on some of these mid majors but you know we've seen teams go get hot in March go and and, and attack the bracket and uh, whether it be in the big tournament or now uh, in the NIT as well uh, we saw that last year. Uh, with some NIT teams and even some teams in the Sun Belt who have had postseason success in the uh, CIT and CBI, even going uh, to the you know quarterfinals and, and, and semifinals in the past. So um, I think it's it's very similar, and I hear it compared a lot to you know how college football does with the bowl system. 
Uh, I can tell you it's a, it is a reward for some of these seniors, and they want to continue to play um, because the finality of it, of once a conference tournament and you lose in the conference tournament, um, do you want to continue to play in the postseason or do you want the career to basically be over and you have to worry about school and, and everything else? No, you, of course, you want, you want to continue to play. And, and as you mentioned, you get a home game out of it. It's even better because, um, you know, it is yeah. another huge accomplishment, more practice, more time together. Um, and more importantly, with the April signing period for basketball, another opportunity to showcase your program for recruits and bring them in and say, hey, look, we're still playing. There's 350-plus D1 schools, and we're still playing postseason basketball. So it does it does certainly have a value, and, and certainly uh, I think both coaches on both staffs understand the importance uh, of winning Saturday and, and even you know winning next weekend uh, in New Orleans. We'll stay big picture and then jump quickly into some of the stuff that we might see on Saturday from Georgia Southern and Georgia State. But I guess saying big picture, do you think the Sun Belt is a one-bid league this year like I do, and do you think that it should be, I guess? Yeah, it's it's tough. And, and you know, I've talked to Ron Hunter at, at length about this. And, it you know, he understands the pressure once they, that team gets down to New Orleans. It's just pretty – it's pretty simple. Uh, we saw that last year with uh, Louisiana Lafayette. I mean, I think they won 26 or 27 games last year. Uh, their final kind of stub-to-toe moment was they lost a home game to the last-place team in the league. Well, you fast forward one year, Louisiana Lafayette did the exact – same thing. They got smoked by uh, App State at home um, and, and lost lost by ten at, at home there again. Now they're they're not potentially a number one seed, won't be a top seed there, but they're also a very dangerous team uh, playing in New Orleans, where they should have some fan support down there as well. It's very very difficult. Um, I think in the committee's mind, unless you run off a, a huge number, going and winning 28, 29, 30 games as a mid-major, um, because even the new formula, that the, you know, the, the NCAA is de-emphasizing uh, the RPI and going with this new net rating system, right. uh, which you can find that if you just Google, you know, net rating in the college basketball and find it out. Um, I don't understand it, and there's a lot of components in it, and the coaches have major problems with it because apparently um, there are items like winning by 10 points matters. Well, yeah. I can tell you as a mid-major, you're probably not going to have a whole lot of 10-point wins in non-conference play because you're going to play some buy games. You're going to play some other things like that. Well, if these major programs are buying games against MEAC, SWAC, other other local teams that they can demolish, well, that's going to be another check mark for them. I mean, I think there was a there was an example, for, you know, where uh, I went back and looked at the RPI for both Georgia Southern and Georgia State, and they were, I think, in the in the high 60s or early 70s, or low 70s. Well, there's a almost 50-point discrepancy in the net. So if the NCAA tournament committee is looking at it and saying, okay, well, Georgia Southern, Georgia State, say those are the final two teams that, you know, that make it down – well, they're in the hundreds. Well, then you're then you're the natural inclination is well, the Sun Belt's not that good. They only deserve one one bid. When there have been some years that have been you know been very good, and and as we've seen with this league as well, teams that win the wet regular season, uh, I believe only twice in the last ten years have won the conference tournament. So it's it's tough. It's it's tough to do, and uh, you know anything can happen down in New Orleans, and I think it's just uh, it's difficult. Uh, to just ride all the hopes there. And, and I can tell you quite honestly, when Georgia State lost uh, to a Louisiana Lafayette a couple of years ago uh, with R.J. Hunter as a sophomore, um, then turning around, playing on Sunday, flying back to Atlanta that night, uh, and then having to go on the road to Clemson in the NIT 
because they were the regular season uh, champion and play on a Tuesday night in Clemson, uh, they had no shot. That you know they were yeah. they were so gutted emotionally, physically to literally have no practice time in one day. And, and I've had conversations even this afternoon talking about, hey, maybe the Sun Belt should move their championship game a little bit uh, further back uh, to either Saturday or Friday, and, and, and we'll see what happens if, when the new commissioner comes in next summer. Well, that's a perfect segue for me, Ben, because I'm going to set this one on a tee for you. Is it fair, is it neutral to continue to have the Sunbelt Conference Tournament in New Orleans, Louisiana? Uh, man, I, I will tell you, um, I, I have been a long proponent. I went down there uh, to see that that faithful, uh, you know, Louisiana Lafayette comeback and, and beating Georgia State. Uh, I see no reason for the tournament continue to stay in New Orleans. I am extremely interested to see what the attendance is going to look like down in the Smoothie King Center where the New Orleans Pelicans play. They mm-hmm. moved it from Lakefront Arena on the campus of the University of New Orleans. Um, even the Louisiana team's fans don't show up. Uh, it, it was really, really poor uh, attendance the last few years. We saw the Georgia State-Georgia Southern uh, finale a few years ago with uh, in RJ's uh, junior season that propelled uh, Georgia State to the tournament, uh, the ugly 38-36 to final game there. Uh, there was nobody. And, and I, what I even joked uh, the day of the game, this is the Sun Belt's worst nightmare because basically you, you have two Georgia teams hundreds of miles away from their, their home base campus. Uh, there's going to be no, no fans in New Orleans, potentially. Uh, we're seeing that more and more. Uh, I'm hoping that an upgraded arena may, you know, may pull a few more people. But I just kept saying a few years ago, if the, if the Louisiana teams like Lafayette and Monroe are not sending people uh, to, to the tournament in New Orleans, something has to change. You've got to find a different venue. You've got to make it more centralized, make it Birmingham. I know uh, the SEC's in Nashville, Memphis. Do something, basically, or, or have it potentially rotating. From what I understand, uh, the, the league presidents do not want um, you know, on-campus sites for everything, but there's going to be a little bit of that sprinkled in this year uh, with the early round games there on campus sites. So, yeah, I, I think it's got to come out of New Orleans. I think that's a priority number one for basketball and one of many, many priorities for the new commissioner once uh, Carl Benson steps down this summer. Yeah, for me, it's, it, you know, New Orleans is fine if people are showing up, if everything is going fine, but if there are hard numbers and results that tell you it's not working, you had better not bury your head in the sand and just pretend like it is working. So, you know, and the Sun Belt, you know, for the year plus that I've been dealing with the Sun Belt and covering Georgia Southern, they've they've shown me at least that they are willing to adapt and change. So hopefully that's something that they consider, like you said. Adam Van Bremer here, editorial page editor of the Savannah Morning News and SavannahNow.com and host of two regular podcasts, The Commute and Difference Makers. Get your daily local news and opinion fix on The Commute. Available each weekday afternoon, The Commute offers insights into the day's hottest topics with commentary from those who know the subjects best. Our other regular production is the bi-weekly Difference Makers podcast, which is dedicated to sharing stories and insights from Savannah's key players, the men and women who lead our city in commerce, in arts and culture, in philanthropy, in government, and in education. Episodes post every other Friday and like The Commute are on demand through Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and at savannahnow.com. Make listening to The Commute and Difference Makers a part of your regular routine today. Quickly, some specifics about Saturday's game um, and how you see it shaken out. I guess first, Georgia State, kind of known for that matchup zone defense and throwing a bunch of different zone defensive looks, um, you know, even changing it throughout the possessions or throughout an individual possession last time Georgia Southern was 
was up in Atlanta. What do you expect from Georgia State versus Georgia Southern on Saturday? Do you expect more of the same, forcing the Eagles to shoot from the outside and, and kind of living and dying by that? Yeah, it, it really it really is the Ron Hunter way, you know, to go and, and say, you know, maximize the lower possession shots um, and really defending, trying to rebound, turn, turning the ball over. Um, the, the biggest thing that jumped out really from the matchup, uh, you know, or earlier in February was how poor Tukey Brown played. Uh, I was I was pretty surprised to see his, he, for his career he's he's been a very tough matchup for Florida State, and he just for one reason or the other just wasn't really playing well that day. And, and you could see it; the offense wasn't very fluid. It was very difficult um, for for the offense to kind of get get rolling. Um, and, and it wasn't that the Panthers were great, um, you know. And then the score, you know, certainly was was what it was. But there was a whole lot of fouls, a whole lot of free throws i think the biggest thing you know a couple keys for saturday um just how does georgia southern manage the emotion of senior day i've said it for for several years uh, senior days are can, can be very very funky uh with guys playing their last game last home game there's a lot of emotion certainly a lot more family and friends and things like that in the building uh a lot of times Guys can play up to that and rise to that occasion, or there can be almost uh, some adrenaline loss and, and some gaps where it you know, can kind of have them sucking wind a few minutes into the game uh, because it takes it all the pregame uh, pomp and circumstance can take it out of you a little bit. Now, certainly a, a raucous crowd, which should be a great atmosphere down in Hanner Fieldhouse, should be uh, you know be able to boost that up a little bit. But um, I think you know the biggest thing from the Georgia State side, they have to be able to manage the crowd. They have to uh, play within themselves. You have a very senior laden team. Start should start four seniors on Saturday as well. They're they're used to big time environments. A lot of these guys have played in NCAA games. Um, several of them have started NCAA games. Uh, so the, the atmosphere won't scare them by any means. It's just it's just executing, as I mentioned a little bit earlier, defensive focus. You know, can they can they rebound? Uh, George Southern's one of the most impressive offensive rebounding teams in the Sun Belt. Can they keep uh, you know like guys like Monte Glenn off the glass? Uh, yeah, no, he was super active in the in the game uh, in Atlanta. Um, and really, you know, can Demarcus Simons continue to play well? You know, he uh, he. he uh, has had gone through ups and downs. He's been a little bit of a roller coaster. Uh, the reigning Sun Belt Player of the Year, uh, really not shooting the ball well, uh, having career lows uh, not only from from the three point line but as well as the free throw line. And he gets fouled a lot. Uh, you know, he's he's approaching top five in the history of Georgia State's basketball program of, of, of free throws attempted. And uh, he's a guy that, that can get in the lane and do some damage, but uh, he has struggled from from the line as well as from the outside, and, and more and more teams are backing off of him. So uh, it's going to be key. Uh, Georgia State is going to have to shoot the ball well. They love to shoot the threes. They they really they they attempt over 15 a game, and they've been very very good hit, hitting them as well. Uh, with Devin Mitchell, one of the top three point shooters in the country, and uh, it's going to be a really good matchup, a heavyweight matchup, quite honestly. And, and I'm glad. Uh, you know, it's going to be, uh, you know, two rivals a lot, which always ratchet it up a little bit. Um, and I'm interested to see uh, how team, how both teams uh, manage manage all the emotion. Yeah, I think that's one of the maybe one of the underlying storylines of this game is Tukey Brown and Demarcus Simons. The, obviously, both the leaders of their respective teams, but they kind of go about things a different way. I know last time Georgia Southern was in Atlanta, Simons went off for I don't remember how many points he had, but I know he had 20 field goal attempts and made 10 of them. Whereas Tukey Brown had nine attempts in 39 minutes. So if you're, I know, you know, if you're Ron Hunter, you're probably living with Tukey Brown having only nine attempts because you can only score so many points with nine attempts, even if you make them all. So, you know, that's something for us uh, covering Georgia Southern. We kind of question sometimes is the aggressiveness of Tukey Brown and, and in a game 
as big as Georgia Southern versus Georgia State, you would hope that your your star player, especially missing your your second wheel and Ike Smith, like Georgia Southern has been for most of the season, you would hope that Tukey Brown would attempt more than nine field goals uh, in 39 minutes. So I think that's something that will probably be a little different this time around. How many of them does he make? We'll see, but at least you would hope that Tukey Brown's a little more aggressive if you're a Georgia Southern fan in kind of the same light that that DeMarcus Simons is. Ben, what do you think, if if you're an opposing team, what's the best way to beat Georgia State? What's the game plan going in to beat Georgia State? Man, you got to hit threes. Uh, you're going to have the opportunity to shoot threes. You got to hit them. Uh, I, I can't remember if it was a it was a App State or Coastal Carolina. One of the one of the uh, the trips um, that was was listening to to one of the post game press conferences and basically said just that, that 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 you need to hit 12 threes or more to have an opportunity because the way the one three one matchup zone goes, you're really not going to get a whole lot of touches in the paint. Um, there'll be some opportunities for offensive rebounds, certainly because this team is just not built uh, right now with, with Malik Benlevy at 6'6", uh, you know, being kind of that under the basket, uh, not really the traditional center position uh, just to kind of get out there and run. You're going to have to hit threes. You're going to have to hit free throws. Um, you're going to have to uh, rely and capitalize really on some turnovers. You know, that's the one one area that I've kind of circled this year is, is Georgia State's turning the ball over uh, a lot more frequently than they have in the past. And and part of it is I think DeMarcus Simon is doing a lot, uh, you know, putting a lot of pressure upon himself to go out there and really prove everyone that he's an NBA guy and a guy that, that needs to play at the next level, which I think he will. Um, but I think part of that as well, uh, you have a sophomore point guard in Kane Williams who has been very, very good and probably one of the more imp- uh, in, most improved guys in the Sun Belt. Um, and, but he's only a sophomore and a, and a guy who, who has a propensity to turn the ball over four or five times in a game. Uh, opponents have jumped on that and uh, can, can get out and score and transition. And the biggest thing is just hit free throws. You know, when you get fouled, uh, Georgia State is very, very handy, can get in the, in the mix. Uh, when you get in the middle of the, of the court and of a 1-3-1, you got arms every which way. Uh, when, when, depending on how tight it's called, and we, you know, uh, I'm most famous uh, between the fan, fan base that folks that, uh, that follow Georgia State for, for using the hashtag Sunbelt refs. Uh, they don't tend to typically understand the <laughs> gravity of, of games, um, which, you know, I think they're on the spotlight as much as these teams are uh, just to know how, uh, how revved up Hanner will be on Saturday. You got to get, you got to manage that emotion. You got to understand this is a rivalry weekend. This is a rivalry game. It's senior day, as we talked about before. The emotions are very high. So being able to understand both sides, hey, what's at stake at this game? In this game, you know, these guys are playing for a title. They're playing for a double buy. Um, there's, there's a whole lot riding on this game, and, and just managing that. Um, so those, I think, are probably the several factors that I'd look at. Um, you got to be clean with the basketball too. You know, if you turn the ball over against a Ron Hunter team, he will beat you to death. Um, you know, normally, uh, I think I haven't checked the stats this week, but you know, Georgia State uh, was in the neighborhood of about eight, eight and a half steals per game, um, which was mm-hmm. very, very close to being top fifteen in the country. Uh, they turn you over, and when they turn you over, you know, the, the old, old Ron Hunter motto is rebound, you know, and run. And so, uh, and I would put certainly can substitute steals in those as well. So. He wants to get out, uh, score. They want to score, you know, in the high seventies, low eighties, if they if they can. Um, and if you don't make shots and you don't make you know make the gimmies and the free throws, uh, it's it's very very difficult to score eighty points against this defense. Yeah, the last thing we need on Saturday is a ref show and is whistles every time down the floor. I mean, 
I'm sure you've sat through some of those games in the Sun Belt this year, and I have too. That's the last thing we need and in college basketball in general. That's something that's obviously needs to be addressed. And I think it is in the process of being addressed as far as how many whistles uh, are in any given college basketball game. But Ben, thank you for thank you for joining us. You wanted to tell folks how they can follow you online and how they can read your stuff? Yeah, absolutely, man. I appreciate it. It's uh, at Benmore 24-7, and uh, pantatalk.com is the website, and we're always uh, always happy to, uh, to to talk. Uh, you know, Panthers and Eagles, as, as much uh, as, as, as flack as I got writing probably four years ago when, when Georgia Southern joined the conference, I think it's a great thing that both of these teams are playing in all sports. I think it has ramped up the interest in almost every single program, quite honestly, and you see yeah. that uh, certainly from the Georgia Southern perspective. You know, every every game, whether it's football, basketball, baseball, you know, it all matters, and it matters to the athletes. It matters to the fans. you got another reason. Uh, rivalries are, are really what college sports is all about and truthfully separates it uh, from from many other sports, um, you know, we don't like those guys. They don't like us, and and the feelings mutual. And um, I, I think it should be a, a great contest on Saturday. Looking forward to uh, to seeing what uh, what what develops, and and certainly this may be just round one of, of or excuse me, round two of what could be a, another matchup potentially down in New Orleans too, just depending on how the seating falls. Awesome, Dan. Well, thank you. Absolutely, man. Take care. Adrian Peterson is taking care of things right now. Down the sideline. If he can get loose, he's gone. Illigway will score. The Wesley Fields. Touchdown. Georgia Southern. 